In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Years ago, as a little lad, a little boy, I was closely following Chichi Rodriguez. He's one of the really great showmans in all of sports history. Uh, He was uh, at Augusta to practice rounds. And in those days, the spectators could get a whole lot closer to the golfers themselves than now. Chi-Chi was playing poorly, and after hooking yet another shot deep into the rough, he looked right square at me in the eyes. He said, back to basics, young man, back to basics. And it has always stuck with me. I don't care what you're dealing with. When things go out of whack, it's always good to go back to basics, back to the fundamentals. And that's what I want to do this morning. There is confusion about the mission and the ministry and the message of the church. And this confusion is not limited to men and women inside the church, although that certainly exists. But more troubling is confusion within the church. Many high-ranking prelates insist that the primary business of the church for this century especially is to deal with injustices, with morals, environmental issues. Is that right? Well, this morning I want to deal with this as we look at this passage from Acts. And by doing so, we will go back to the basics. Surely to know what should be the mission and the ministry and the message of the church, we should go back 2,000 years to the beginning. What did the apostles unwaveringly preach about? What was the driving force of the apostles themselves behind their mission? We go to to the heart of one of the very earliest Christian sermons ever preached, where it is St. Peter who said, We are witnesses to all that Jesus of Nazareth did. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him manifest. God chose us as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And the Lord now has commanded us, therefore, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God to judge the living and the dead. To him we bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Brothers and sisters, that is Christianity. And any notion... That Christianity is mainly the result of anything that we do, no matter what it is, no matter how noble it is, is always completely and totally wrong. When the church gets all wrapped up and focused mainly on saving the whales, on turning the other cheek, on dealing with injustices and with bad morals, as important as those things are, don't get me wrong, but when they come to pro- become their primary task, then we are no different than many other world religions of the world. And the essence of Peter's sermon is why we preach. It's the nerve center of Christianity, without which we cannot point this broken and struggling world to no We cannot point to any enduring hope. But the first thing that Peter did in the sermon was to establish a a basis for belief. He said, we are witnesses. They put him to death. 
But God raised him up on the third day and made him manifest to us who were chosen as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And all of the earliest sermons of the church dealt with the fact that he was dead, just as dead as dead can be, but then God raised him on the third day. People say to me from time to time, why should I believe Christianity? Well, faith always comes back to that first Easter morning. And Easter is either the supreme fact in all of world history, or else it's a gigantic hoax. And if this is a hoax, if that's what it is, then to quote St. Paul, we of all men are most to be pitied. And we should just call church off. We should just go home, <clears throat> consider another religion, take your choice or no religion at all, and just focus on being, focus on being very nice, peace-loving people. But the earliest Christians, for them something absolutely astonishing had happened. They had no question about the resurrection. One can argue that Easter, that first Easter morning really didn't happen, but what no legitimate historian can argue is the fact that the first Christian, first Christians surely believed that he was raised from the dead. As Peter emphatically said here, God raised the dead and, hey, we ate fish with him. And ghosts, as they say, do not eat fish. And so then, having established a basis for belief, Peter moved on, moved on to the gospel itself. What was the result of Jesus' death and resurrection? In light of the resurrection of Jesus, Peter said, Now God has commanded us to testify that Jesus is the one ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And to him we bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Jesus who died and was wrote and rose again is designated, as we see here, as both judge and savior. First is judge. The Lord has all authority in heaven and earth. He is fully commissioned to acquit or to condemn. And no one understood our guilt better than Jesus. And no judge knows better how to legally acquit. As judge, Jesus knew the penalty. Okay, Christianity is not perverted judgment. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.22 And as his Savior, he took that judgment and he shed his blood in our place. And thus it was that Peter and St. Paul and all the apostles could boldly proclaim and now to him we bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. There it is again, brothers and sisters. Do you tire of hearing the good news over and over and over again? I don't know about you, but I need it every single day. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Let me give you a real life incident. And this is just as close to a verbatim. He said, and I said, as, as I can remember it, a certain gentleman approached me at a wedding reception not too long ago. And I think he probably, I'm quite sure he had too many glasses of wine. <clears throat> and I guess he felt the need to talk. But he had, he wanted me to know uh, that he used to be a member of the Advent, but admitted that his ex-wife is the one who forced religion on him, to use his words. He said he didn't deny the value of religion altogether, as he put it. He said, I, the church is okay if you need it, 
But uh, and if you happen to be interested, but he didn't feel like he was the type of person who needed religion. Now, if you know me well, you know patience is not one of my strong points. <clears throat> but as just as respectfully uh, as I could, I replied, "Well, sir, what do you do with your guilt?" Guilt, he said. I said, "Yeah, I, I haven't known you, but for two minutes. But I can tell you, you're a miserable offender, just like I am." <laughs> What do you do with your guilt? He said, listen, I've learned long ago to forgive myself. I said, only God can forgive sins. Man, you got more actual guilt than you can imagine. And let me tell you very honestly, you only have one hope. And with that, I think I roused his indignation. <clears throat> he stared at me and he said, Huffley, I'm at peace with God. And I said, I would not bet the form on that. <laughs> and he walked away. Put out with me. The Christian gospel is not simply a message that is good for a certain type of person. You and I both know that we're all in the same condition. My favorite Shakespearean quote is, One touch of nature makes the whole world kin. The gospel is for the whole world. Everyone. The King James translates, Whosoever. Whosoever believes in him has forgiveness of sins through his name. Whosoever is a, whosoever is a big word. To quote my man Spurgeon, this shuts out no one, neither the most backward antipathies, nor the most intellectual Hindu, no king, no beggar, no moralist, no whoremonger, no adulterer, no swearer, no thief, no murderer. Blessed be the God of grace that doesn't shut out me. While there is not one person on earth who can be saved without him. To God be the glory. There's not one person on earth who cannot be saved with him. And I could stay here for another nine years. I could stay here for 19 years. I could stay here as long as I have a voice to preach. The gospel would be the same. This is the message for Christianity. It was the message in the first century. The message for the 21st century. It's a message for all ages and to all people. And I am certain that in the foreseeable future, years to come, that this will be the driving force, the heartbeat, and the passion of the Advent. And that is to be witnesses of all that Jesus of Nazareth did. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day. And to him we bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. May God draw a luck to the hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this for Jesus' sake.